All right, we're back for another week of the Chatterbox Video Game Radio Show. My name is Alon. And my name is still Ara. Yeah, still and always. So there's a little bit of news happening lately in a lot of different places. But there's also a little bit of big news and actually a lot of little news too. Yeah, and work up towards even bigger stuff. I'm starting to get emails relating to E3. Um, I'm not going to go to E3 this year. I kind of have a baby that's coming very soon, so I don't want to be yeah, gone. Yeah, always with the baby excuse. These yeah, days. I know, I know. Um, but other, other big news, for me at least, and I can't remember if I mentioned this last week or not, but Sports Friends finally got an official release date. It got passed through Sony's whatever. Did we talk about this already? Um, well, you mentioned it the last or previous time or something okay. like that. Well, it's coming May 6th, and I recently found out that I need to – I'm pushing back the delivery of all of the things that I had from Phoenix moving to Colorado. So I'm not actually going to have my PlayStation 3 or PlayStation 4 on May 6th, which is funny because I was joking with my wife a month ago. I was like, I've been waiting for this game for like a year and a half, and I bet it's going to release when I'm here and not able to play it, right? And – uh I'm not going to have my stuff until like the 10th or 11th, which means it is in fact going to release when I'm not able to play it, which is a bit yeah, of Yeah, well, uh, if you wait too long, you know, the truck's probably going to melt before it gets out of the state. Yeah, well, no, it's in a warehouse. It's in a warehouse waiting for me. Anyway, something else that happened this morning, I think it was this morning anyway, do, do you ever keep in touch with these Nintendo Direct announcements that Nintendo puts out every once in a while? Uh, no, I, I do seem to remember that... I had like uh, I had like some promotional points that they told me that I had to use up, and then I looked to see what I could get with them, and it was nothing. So that was exciting. Okay, well, there was a Nintendo Direct specifically about Mario Kart Eight, um, or at least a lot of it was about Mario Kart Eight. And yeah, I've been hearing a couple things uh, today actually about that. Well, yeah, I've, so I've been excited. For this game, waiting for it. So the, Nintendo, you remember last year when they did this thing where you could play games at Best Buy, and it was like all the games that are coming. That's right. Right. So uh, th- I think there were four. It was Mario Kart 8, the new Zelda, which is actually the old Zelda, uh, Donkey Kong, and maybe something else. And- it's like uh, Poor Man's E3 for people who couldn't afford to go or um, lie slash cheat to get in. Yeah, so actually the, the last game was Super Mario 3D World. So that one came out. Zelda, which I don't care about, came out. Um, and then Donkey Kong, although I still haven't played it. I want to. But the final one of that you know, list of games is finally coming out next month. It's Mario Kart 8. And I want to I talk about this like it's a good thing because it's good for me and everybody else. But it's bad for Nintendo. Right? So if you buy Mario Kart 8... They're just going to straight up give you another Nintendo game. And that's that's good. Yeah, that is. It's good for us, but like, kind <laughs> of a kind of a sign of the times that they can't even. I I, I prefer to think of it as win win, <laughs> but that's just me. They basically can't give away the Nintendo Wii U. So if you buy Mario Kart Eight, at least in the U.S. in Europe, there's a much bigger list of games you can get for free. But in the U.S., you could get New Super Mario Brothers U which most people have if they have the Wii U, uh, Zelda Wind Waker HD, Wii Party U, which is one of those games that like comes packed with the remote, um, and rumor has it that it's actually kind of crappy, which is a bummer, because the other game available is Pikmin 3, which I also have and I love. And I'm debating between getting Pikmin 3, even though I already have it, just so that I can play it without putting the disc in the drive, because it'd be a download, uh, or get... You know, an actual new game? Well, I could get the Zelda, which I already own on GameCube and I'm never going to play anyway. Um, or Wii Party U, which I kind of want to play, except I know is bad. So, you know, what What do you do? Like, none of the options are great for me because the best option is Pikmin 3 and I already own it. You know, new Super Mario Brothers U, already own it. What do you do? But You, you know what this reminds me of? Uh, I want to interject just real quick. I promise it will be short, though. There's... This is like it's funny what incentives the companies are announcing to get people to do stuff because remember how um, we talked about once GT5 servers are going to close like next month? Yeah. And like all that debacle stuff that I've been complaining incessantly about how like they haven't um, 
right? Like people are still playing the game, so it's kind of strange and premature uh, for Sony to shut down those servers. So in 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 a very strange tactic, they actually announced today that if you the, there's going to be a very last uh, like this thing called a seasonal event uh, in GT5, or if you play that event, then uh, next month you'll get five cars for free in GT6 if you use the same PSN account on both of them. So if, if it's not obvious already, the whole point was like, let's give people who just have GT5 and don't have six yet, like let's give them something so that they'll be encouraged to get GT6 and not be as pissed off that the online play is stopping on GT5. So I just thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, so are you going to do it and get your five free cars? Well, the funny thing is is that the five free cars that they're offering are uh, not only cars that I already have, but most people who – the only way you wouldn't have them already in the most part would be if you actually hadn't been playing GT6, right? Because they're cars like for the beginning of the game. Oh, seriously? Mm-hmm. So it's it's basically like it only means uh, – it's only an offer that means anything to people who haven't played GT6 yet. Yeah, but the, right? ir- they're, the they're irony like trying there to cajole is, you over. You know what I mean? I, the irony is that if you're such a dedicated fan of the series that you would be playing online right now, like yeah. way after the game came out, you're probably dedicated to the series, not just the game, and bought the next one. So I, I bet this offer yeah. appeals to such a small sliver – of, well, that's the, the thing. population it's, that it's yeah. not actually appeasing anybody. It's only for people who are still playing GT5, and I think what they're doing is I think they're kind of flinching a little bit. They're like, okay, we know these people are going to be pissed that we turn off the servers because GT6 was such a disaster. So let's give them something so just those people uh, hopefully are uh, happy instead of pissed. But I don't think it will make much effect one way or the other. All right, so so what other news do we have? News that doesn't upset us as much or confuse well, us as much? There was a big, big thing happened last night, actually. And that was that officially now Microsoft's saying they're going to launch their Xbox One in China in September. So only a few months away. Yeah, but d- didn't we already know they were talking about it? I mean, we know this no, whole ban this is the was first lifted time, recently. Well, well, right. That ban was lifted. So this is the first actual console maker who said for real that, okay, yes, we're officially coming out in China. No one else has announced it. And we're coming out in September. And my favorite part is that they're partnering with a, a Shanghai-based company um, that, depending on how you like to pronounce words, um, is either called uh, Best V or Best TV. Okay. So that's, uh, I guess, a big company in China. So this doesn't seem that that amazing to me. I mean, they lift the ban. Microsoft's... Well, it's just official. It's kind of like... um, You're saying it's like a milestone, basically. Yeah. I don't know if you were following sports news, because I usually don't, but there was that huge, huge thing that just happened in the NBA, right? Yeah. Everybody knew it was going to happen, but it wasn't a big deal as much... It wasn't really consummated until they finally announced it. So. Yeah. Did you listen to the audio, by the way, what the guy actually no, said? No, I just saw it while I was like on the treadmill, and I'm like, wow, that's um, okay. It's amazing that's... because of the, the really harsh penalty he's getting. But like if you listen to the audio – yeah. so I, I did it in reverse. I heard all of the, the outrage and the fine and all that stuff that's happening to him before I heard what he said. So like given – the extremeness of what happened to him, I was expecting like a huge blowout racist rant from this guy. And although it was by no means subtle, um, what he did actually say didn't, didn't come even close to what I was expecting. Wasn't it just like, uh, you girlfriend don't bring a black person to my, to my basketball game. It was, he was kind of supportive of her. Cause she's, she's, uh, 
Latina and black mix. And so he was like, no, you can hang out with black people. Just don't bring them to my games and stuff like that. Which, again, like, <laughs> not not cool, but he wasn't, like, slinging the N-word left and right, yeah. putting down I, I people I just chalk directly. it up to the guy being an 80-year-old. Yeah. I mean, well, he's that's, an 80-year-old multi-billionaire. I mean... I just... I, I've had this, like... I don't know, like this glimmer in my my false eye. Like I'm going to listen to this audio now, and it's going to be so wonderfully cr- like crazy. <laughs> and uh, I just I, that wasn't I wasn't satisfied there. It yeah. was just well, crazy like, enough for him to get in trouble, but not crazy. It's enough funny to be how politics tend to overshadow all these things. But yeah. I digress. But but it is good. It's good that they're they're uh, kicking him out. There's no there's no like unified board like that for video games. So so this guy's get like getting a two and a half million dollar fine for something he's no longer allowed to participate in. And in my right. mind, I'm like, all right, you want to kick me out of the club? Well, you know, screw you and you're fine. Um, but I, you know, the way it works, they're all legally obligated and there's contracts and whatever, so he'll have to pay it. But it seems crazy. Like if you told me, hey, Lon, I'm not going to do the show anymore, I'd be like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, you owe me a thousand dollars. Like that wouldn't that wouldn't go over very well. So anyway. Yeah, I'm sure I'm sure he cares. Well, he does have billions and billions of dollars. Him being eighty with billions and billions of dollars. Yeah. But you know, in in the grand scheme, like you know these sports games that are like, you know, uh, I don't even know what they are, like football manager and American football ma- where you get to just play the manager and not actually play the game. Yeah. I feel like if there's future games like that. Uh, maybe there'd be like football PR manager where you get to play the role of the guy who makes the owner, you know, out to not be such a crazy D bag. Uh, I want to, I want to know how they're going to work that into the game. Kind of like the ambulance that was in the old NFL uh, Madden NFL games. Just work some realism in. Sure. Why not? Yeah. He, d- he didn't really say that crazy thing. Yeah, I, I feel like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I, I don't have a lot more to say about this, but this is also one of those, like, third rail. Yeah, we've gone on too long. Topics. I know, I know. We're going to break anyway. So yeah. we'll do that. We'll come back. There'll be all sorts of good stuff to talk about. Be right back. Chatterboxers. How much do you love Amazon.com? Since you're like me, the answer is a lot. And since you love Chatterbox almost as much, here's what I want you to do. Next time you get a new game, a pair of socks, downloadable MP3, anything really, go to helpchatterbox.com. It takes you to Amazon, but when you buy something, we get a piece of the action. That's good for us, and Amazon feels good because you didn't buy it from GameStop. Helpchatterbox.com. Remember it. Bookmark it. Tattoo it backwards on your forehead. And yes, all I'm asking you to do is buy stuff you are already going to buy. Just do it at helpchatterbox.com. And we're back. It's Chatterbox Video Game Radio. All right, so I was whining about Mario Kart 8 and how I don't know what to get for free. Right? First world problems. You want to um, hear about another first world problem? Yeah, yeah. So remember how I was telling you about how I don't um, like to pay any money for any XBLA games, but I really like getting that uh, like 27, 20 cents of uh, retail value of promotional points I get every month from filling out uh, Microsoft surveys. I do. Yeah. So a funny thing happened with that. Kind of like the same thing that I just described uh, with the Nintendo stuff. So Microsoft said they expire. They're sending, they're, they're sending me an email and they're like, your dollar and 31 cents of credit are going to expire next month. And I'm like, I put in a lot of work and a lot of diligence to fill out all those surveys. And you're going to take that away from me, too. You know, that's frustrating because they don't need to expire. It's like, um, it's just one of those things. I mean, a lot of places do that. They'll give you promotional stuff and then put a date on it. 
But why? It's just, All it does is piss people yeah, off. Yeah, it's like, just nickel and diming. And it's it's one of those weird nickel and diming situations where you can't get too upset about it because it's almost no money. But then at the on the other hand, right, it's like, why are you doing this? This is almost nothing. So I don't Yeah, know. I mean, if, if you put a really long, like maybe 10 years or something, like if you have, haven't used this credit in so long, we're going to get rid of it if there's some benefit to them. But they're going to be keeping your account balance whether it's zero or three cents or thirty dollars, they're going to keep a record of that. And so, who cares if you got that money right. for free? It it's just matter. like one of those ways that you know it's the it's the office space tactic, right? I mean, if they can just shave off a few cents off of everybody every month, you know, that's going to be um, I don't know big profits for them, I guess. Yeah, I found out recently that I lost some of my credit card rewards that had accumulated because I never used them. It was a very small amount, but I think it'll keep happening if I don't if I don't use them soon. And it's like all I have to do is push a button to have it credited towards my account. Yeah, and I just don't do it. I'm still trying to figure out how to uh, steal uh, one tenth of a penny from every person in the United States. You you would have a lot of money. I would. Yeah. You know, a few hundred thousand dollars or something. Maybe maybe uh, half a penny would be better. That'd be a lot more. Yeah. <laughs> all right. So what's next on the agenda tonight? Okay. Um, let's see. We have this gaming addiction thing. I don't want to do that one yet. That's. You ever heard of this aqua aquafi aquafy thing? No. Okay. This is. I, I don't know what you're talking I about. I just heard about it. Um, and th- I've heard of Aquavive. It's it's A Q U I F I, and it's this new company. And basically, this is um, well. Okay, I have to tell you some background here. I'm not really sure 100% what this is, but it seems to be some kind of connect derivative type of software that they're developing, which is basically about um, recognizing human gestures, right? So basically it's technology they're developing, uh, strictly software that's going to use like really cheap off-the-shelf sensors to – basically figure out like it's just an input method in other words that is supposed to be really really natural but there's a couple of things funny about it that I wanted to bring up that um, I don't know so the context that's important here is that this company started in like 2011 and if you go to their website there's like nothing but a landing page still so what is it now 2014 They've gotten – they got about $9 million of funding um, from various investors and I want to read you the slogan and what their CEO says, their platform does and I want to, I want to hear what your reaction is on. Okay. So this guy named Nazim Karimi is their CEO and – Here's what he says. He goes, within the next decade, machines will respond to us and our needs through intuitive interpretation of our actions, movements, and gestures. Our fluid experience platform represents the next generation in natural interfaces and will enable adaptive interfaces to become ubiquitous thanks to our technology's breakthrough economics. Economics? Oh, I I get what he's getting at. He's getting at like how cheap the the sensors would be to use. Um, but basically, their slogan is "Make machines adapt to you." And every time I hear stuff like that, I get I get a whole bunch of willies and I get my whole bunch of rustling of my jimmies. But I don't want to tell you why right yet. I want to hear what you think about this. Man, I I don't really think anything about it. It sounds like marketing speak. Sounds like super marketing speak. Here's the problem and here's the funny thing is that if if I don't see this very carefully, this can sound very bad. Um, I don't think that there's ever been a implementation or a design of a machine interface and I mean that like totally generically where it supposedly adapts to what you're doing just like the slogan says – and that actually works. Now, of course, you could always say, well, Aura, just because no one's thought of how to do it yet doesn't mean it's not possible. And I guess that's true. But I just think that there's there's a big mistake 
with uh, and there's huge problems that people don't think about when you're trying you're talking about an interface that's going to adapt to you. Do you get what I might be getting at here? Um, well, I I agree that a lot of people have made this claim and they've rarely come true. But there are some examples, and I think the most common, the most popular example is one that you probably didn't think of, which is um, modern day smartphone autocorrect, which we all know is far from perfect, right? But the mistakes we make, or the the repeated versions of spellings that we enter into the phone, or whatever. Um, become part of its lexicon and adapt to you personally as opposed to, like, every user of that you know, operating system? You know, I hate that so much I actually turned it off on my smart uh, tablet, I guess. Yeah, no, and, and, and I can understand that. You, right? you know what's uh, funny about that? And this is – I want to tell you why I did that though. Even if it worked perfectly, let's assume it worked perfectly. Here's the thing is – I don't want to be training my muscle memory to do things wrong. I want to be training it to do things right. This is the same reason where that like when I'm typing in Word, I don't have autocorrect on either. I'd rather if I type in something wrong, I want to go back in and type it the right way because the problem with and I don't know, you know what? I'd be really curious to talk to somebody who like just generally uses autocorrect all the time because I get the reason why I don't do it is that I feel like it's going to instill bad habits in me, right? Like, and I will never have to correct mistakes. So well, I will write with maybe mistakes I'm, that already. Maybe I'm correct. reaching here, but you're using a tablet and I'm a lot more accurate typing in on my iPad than I am on my iPhone because the phone is so damn small. Yeah, that, that is a special thing there. And I can definitely see there's like greater application with, uh, with the phone thing, right? Just for that very reason. Yeah. Unfortunately, I still can't type for a damn on my phone because it makes so many mistakes. Every time I try to say of, it says if or vice versa. I put in Mike. Like, I can't remember what it was. Oh, yesterday, there was a bug when I was playing Titanfall with some friends, right? And I, my microphone could not work um, to communicate with them in the party that I was in. Yeah. I had to reboot the whole machine, right? So I could hear them. They were coming through just fine, but I couldn't talk to them. And so I was texting uh, texted my friend to let him know, yeah, the mic's not working. I had to like back up and retype it at least three times because it kept converting Mike. And since that was the end of the word, I would hit Mike and then space. It converted it to Michaela, my wife's name, because I typed that a lot, right? But I wasn't, I wasn't trying to say Michaela. I was just trying to say Mike. And uh, yeah, so I was that's, very unhappy that's, with that's that. The best part. Me, that's the best part about machines adapting to you. Yeah. <laughs> it took me for effing ever to send a tiny little text to say that, you know, my mic just wasn't working. And uh, so it's far from, from perfect is the point I'm trying to make. Yeah. Far from perfect is this adaptation. But now we're talking about things that are more complex, right? Like motion. Well, that's – well, it's – it's this is why I think this is a huge mistake is because, um, okay, like keyboard and even tablet keyboard is one thing. When you get into the realm of natural ge- like gestures, like body language is what this is getting at. Um. Well, the, the thing is, we all have this this like Star Trek dream, right? Where we'll just be able to talk to the, say computer, do this, right? And that it'll just work. But when you're talking about motion and voice, the thing is, there's so many. First of all, there's ambient noise, but also we make our own noises that are unrelated to the computers that we're we're messing with. Like, let's say I'm in my car, and it was an important motion that I have to make to do something, right? Meanwhile, there's a fly in my car, and I'm swatting at it. Suddenly, my car does something crazy because I'm. You know, well, swatting well, that's the thing. Like anything that you call uh, or what they call a natural interface is going to have these, these problems. And I, I have a theory about this. And I think that you are – look, here's the thing, right? If you have a di- – you have an interaction, which means that there's two agents that are feeding back into each other inputs and outputs. That's what interaction means, right? One of them's a human. One of them's a machine. Here's the problem is that – and this is my theory, it only works if one thing is adapting to the other thing. It will not, nothing, it will not work if both things are trying to adapt to each other. And us as humans, we're always adapting to our situation. Now, if you try to make the machine adapt to you, it'll never happen because you're changing what you're doing to adapt to it while it's changing what it's doing to adapt to you. So it's, it's just, it's going to be a wash at best. Well, I don't, I don't necessarily agree. I think the only way to make it work is if you can adapt well, look, to it. Well, look, you can disagree, but point out an example where that is actually like, – like 
okay, this company's been around since 2011. It's 2014. Where's their product? Well, that's that's something else. No, it's but, it's not something else. So that's what I'm saying. It's it's because I think that they're trying to solve an intractable problem. Uh, well, I I am not gonna. Uh, defy that but anyway we're going to break again i will tell you what i mean as soon as we come back so with that we will be right back it's me mario you're listening to chatterbox video game radio it's a number one Three, two, one, go. All right, we're back, and I promised I would explain what I was talking about. Um, so you're, you're saying that it just it won't work to do this gesture recognition and human recognition if if both sides are adapting to the other. But I think, I mean, maybe in the long distant future, when you know they just get smarter about it and try to do what this company claims it's doing now. Uh, but for right now, like. My Xbox One can respond to me and do certain things that I tell it to do with my voice, but I have to adapt by saying, first of all, by starting off by saying Xbox so that it decides to start listening to me and then following up with specific commands that it has in its vocabulary. If I just try to talk, you know, just because I'm talking, it won't it won't do anything, it, you know, unless I accidentally match up with its vocabulary, like pause or something. But I, I think even with that, I have to say Xbox first. Um so that's an adaptation to the machine uh, that is, is necessary. And I wouldn't want it any other way just because I don't trust that we're, we're ever in my lifetime going to get to the point where I can be so natural that I just talk out loud without saying Xbox first. And it knows that I'm talking to it and not like my cat or whatever else is in the environment with me. You know, so far it sounds like you're making my argument. No, not at all. I'm saying I'm adapting to it while it is also adapting to me. But how is it adapting to you? I mean, that's um, – it's just doing voice recognition and sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't, right? Well, because it also learns and improves over time, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. Does it? Well, not, not, not over time, but you train it. You, you, you can go through an initial training. So, and, but it's not just Xbox. It's other machine recognition, right, or voice recognition. I, mean. I, I feel like if that stuff works, it can only it can only be so in a very very narrowly construed way, because the problem is is that humans are way too unpredictable in general. I mean, I think that's why it's just not going to. We're not going to get very far with this kind of technology. Maybe you know. Okay, so see, right? Like, let me let me give you an example. Um, maybe. Let's assume, just for sake of argument, that the the processing, the way that the Xbox processes your voice, it has some kind of adaptive algorithm to it. So it can figure out what you – like how you say the word uh, like, I don't know, Xbox on or whatever, right? So let's say it can adjust itself to figure out how you say that word, right? But one thing that would definitely be like way far beyond its purview um, – just because it's it's a human problem is you using a synonym right for the keyword that it's looking for so that's yeah. a, that's an example of a way that like in in natural interactions humans are way too unpredictable for machines to really practically be able to adapt to well i mean that can all be programmed though well, that's what I'm saying is that I don't think everything can all be programmed. I think that there's a limit and it's pretty narrow. Well, may, maybe with – so like when we talk about or when I say maybe in the distant future, right? Yeah, like but I don't, I don't dead, want to go all Ray Kurzweil on this. Well, but what I mean is like maybe this company is taking those first steps because somebody has to, right? Like somebody has to start building the technology that can then be built on, that can be built on to get to what eventually actually works. But I don't know. This, I mean, is, this is like me – I mean the way – I feel like that is so far off that, like I said, Ray Kurzweil, like it's like talking about like let's let's go to that – like let's start making the next steps to travel to that planet that they just found that's like 10 percent, like within 10 percent the size of Earth. Like that's just 
it's just so far beyond technology and human understanding right now. Yeah. I mean, I, I think you and I, like, I agree. This probably isn't going to go anywhere. But then again, you could probably scour the internet and find 10 different companies that are doing the same thing. Man, I'll tell this, you what. I wish I could convince somebody. I don't know how they convinced them to get $9 million out of that. I mean, maybe I, they have a really good demo. I, well, I seriously doubt that because if they had a good demo, I think they'd be demoing it publicly. You know what, though? Do you remember? I forget what it's called, but there was a device that I think was on Kickstarter or some other crowdsourcing you know, mechanism where they had this tiny, tiny little sensor bar, like a connect, right? But it's so tiny it could like fit on a keyboard or actually inside a keyboard and was supposed to be able to, you know, identify fingertips, not just hands and like really, basically really high resolution sensing and for only like 50 bucks. And it was kind of a big deal. It released several months ago at this point, Uh, but I haven't heard anything about it since then or that anybody's picking it up. What would it do? Uh, you know, whatever gesture recognition stuff you would want it to do. Like the Connect is being used for all sorts of PC applications. They're just taking the Connect and using it on on computers. So it'd be the same idea. Oh, so like just, swipe the screen with your finger in the air type stuff. Yeah, the same thing. You know, do a a mouse pointer, but with your finger. I I don't know. I mean, I'm guessing, but the point is that they had a more advanced, supposedly, you know, more advanced, better, cheaper version to do the same sort of thing. And it, it got past, like, initial development. It turned into a real product, and people were really excited about it. But I haven't heard anything. And thinking about that makes me continually more surprised that stuff like Oculus, I have no idea how, because people have been doing stuff like Oculus for years. Even after virtual reality died, people were still basically doing it. Um, and it never picked up steam, but for some reason, and I wasn't meaning to segue into Oculus, but, like, for some reason, that device just caught the hearts and minds of like everybody and is getting lots of attention it's like, just to the point the, um, that microsoft or sony's yeah. building their own it's just the fat effect i mean you know it's a good product right but like why does one thing become the big hit and something else that's just as good not right it's yeah and i don't get it it's well I nobody really nobody does if people got it they would be able to exploit it on a regular basis i guess that's true okay so some other news happened. I, I mean, you've got a whole bunch of things. I don't. Like, do you want to touch on cool stuff like Disney Infinity 2.0 that was that, announced either today or yesterday? Is that is that cool stuff? I don't know. I've got a <laughs> smile on my face. Like it kind of, to me, I, I looked at that and, and thought, hey, it's actually, it's a good implementation of that stupid like buy a figurine idea. Well, and I'm st- I'm curious to know what could be good about that because that. That is just the fantastic genius shill game as far as I'm concerned to get uh, parents to buy stuff. You know what's fantastic about it is that it's a world that exists with tons of characters, tons of characters that already exist as actual toys and that people want to collect instead of creating this new Skylanders concept that didn't exist prior to the little figurines thing. Right? It's, it's got a built-in base of fans. And, I mean, obviously Marvel Super Heroes lends itself to video games. They've been making tons of video games off them because it's just – it's a perfect plot for for video games. Um, and now well, they're going to do it with little figurines. And I, well, well, I kind of like – I mean like we know – we already know their, their marketing is impeccable. But are – am I just confused? Did Was Disney Infinity not out or is this is this a new one? No, Disney Infinity was out but it was all Disney characters, right? Okay, so, so, what's, like, so I don't get what's different. Well, so I was, I was completely intermingling it with Skylanders, which is the same technology but different companies. Right, right. Um, so Disney Infinity, I guess, is kind of the same thing because people like collecting Disney characters. I guess the point is that I care about Marvel and I don't care about Disney, even though now they're you know the same company. Um, oh, now there's going to be Marvel characters. There, there's going to be Disney Infinity that has you know the Hulk and you know, Captain America oh, and Spider-Man okay. and all that, that. Is that like way better now, I guess? I, I just, <laughs> what I don't like about it is that it's, it's still going to be, you know how like Lego Star Wars is the kids version of Star Wars and like Lego, whatever, there's a million different Lego video games that are all meant for little kids. Yeah. And so the gameplay is really simplified and easy. It's not, you know, the sort of stuff that you and I, you or I would really want to play long term. Right. It's like walking it, through a gallery. Yeah, it's it's that style. It's still going to be a kids version. I kind of wish they had like the adult Marvel version, um, 
with these collectible characters, with like the cool collectible characters. Um, not that I am one to collect characters. It's weird that I'm even interested in this because you also know I would never buy these things. Um, but I just felt like, hey, that's that's good. Like they're doing something cool with this idea rather than just like sticking Woody and the other um, Toy Story characters into a game. Well, I think you should apply stuff, to do marketing for Disney and um, tell you tell them that idea. Although they would probably um, then say like no thanks and then like use the idea itself because uh, that's what corporations do. What idea? They already did it. They're doing it. No, I mean, it sounds like they really need a you know adult nerd version of this product. Oh yeah, no, they do kid nerd version of this. Product. And what they need to do is all of the figures that they sell right now that they already sell just build the the NFC into those characters. Like they should have been doing that for years and just not told anybody. Yeah, just like all instead had an of NFC like chip in it. have it like cute, just have it like a little like more disgusting or something, and then it'll appeal to adults. That's what that's what they do, right? Yeah, pretty much. Kind of like Kirby in America. Did you see that? Did you go on our Facebook page today? No, no, of course not. I only go on Facebook like twice a year. I, I posted an article today on our Facebook page about how um, on American marketing and box covers, Nintendo's Kirby, you know, the big pink Jigglypuff character guy? Yeah, of course. Um, he's always angry yeah. or like somehow he's he's pictured as strong and a little bit angry usually or like you know, battlesome. Yeah. Maybe, maybe dissatisfied is a better way to put it. But in Japan, he's always pictured as being cute. And it's because they're, you know, the Hal, the company that makes it Nintendo, right. They, um, they were told like American audiences want like a stronger, more aggressive character that works for that audience. That's really funny. They love cute stuff. I wonder if that had any effect one way or the other. I mean, they claim it did. I'm sure it was just off of focus groups because they're not releasing two different box covers. But um, well, that's the thing. Apparently, if you look back in the history of Kirby, you'll see that he's always angry in American. I I seem to remember that now, but of course, they never. um, You would never know for sure unless you tried to do one method in America and then another method in America, right? But then, even then, your results are biased and skewed because. Uh, like, like what the campaign that you do at the beginning could affect the one that you do subsequently. You well, know? yeah, and, and it's then, a different game. Yeah, and then that starts to get into like the problems with what like corporations do with focus groups, which is uh, I've heard a lot of times that they basically use it just to validate um, artificially what they thought that their strategy was going to be. Yeah. So steering steering the users. Yeah, yeah and and of course correspondingly uh, affecting the data so that it's, it's it's tainted. Yeah, of course. All right. Well, it's break time once again. Um, so we'll be right back for our final segment. And uh, yeah, we'll be right back. chatterbox once again that's what you're listening to welcome back we've got one more segment yeah this is it so you have a whole list of things to cover today and we're only going to get to one more i think yeah well or maybe seven more because they're all really small okay all right so so uh, what's what's at your radar let's do uh okay well this is like the most timely thing on the 26th guess what happened you tell me well, there was a little excavation going on somewhere out in... Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah. I had no idea that people were skeptical about this, but apparently there are people who didn't believe this really happened. Well, or, well hold on. Not the excavation, but that the initial event actually happened. Right. So so in case you're wondering what we're talking about, it's the uh, unearthing of Atari, Atari uh, ET game cartridges, which there's this huge... Uh, I'll just say legend about, right? Because E.T. was this 
Atari game that was famous for being really, really sucky because it was a huge rush job. Probably one of the best and earliest examples of a terrible rush job on a game. Even the guy who was the programmer for it was like, yeah, it was a total rush job. I could just, like, it was all I could do to just barely get it to actually run. And so Atari made, like, way too many of these cartridges and they had to get rid of them. And so there's, that's where the story of, uh, Anywhere from some to millions and millions of ET cartridges uh, getting yeah. dumped into a landfill uh, out in New Mexico. I don't. I don't think you placed enough of an emphasis on, on sort of the milestone that this, this, uh, this whole thing sort of. Indi- well, which I, I one? The, the movie tie-in or the suckiness no, of the like, game? No, like the the reason this was such a big deal is that people pin the basically the. Um, the failure of the ET Atari twenty six hundred game, they they I used that to identify the moment that video games crashed in the mid eighties. Oh okay. or the early eighties, well, right? It's I guess you can do that. This happened, it was so monumentally bad that they threw away, you know, thousands or tens of thousands or millions of cartridges and that brought on the great gaming recession until Nintendo revived it. That's pretty much how the story goes, which is why this particular event holds so much meaning, right? Because they're they're like literally unearthing history. This is what this is what caused things to to basically break down for two or three years. Um, until Nintendo until, arrived on the scene. Yeah, until Nintendo fixed things basically with Super Mario Brothers. Um, the, but I always like this has just been ingrained in my memory as something that really happened and now that i think about it like you and i and whoever else we could get together we should have totally done this unearthed them and then sold them all like the cartridges that were in the landfill you could sell them for a hundred dollars a piece and have tens of thousands of them or 200 bucks a piece i mean people would pay because it's such a a specific like it's it's a collection. It's a piece of history, right? Like the Berlin Wall or something. Yeah, um, I don't okay, know what so they're going to do with all of them. That brings us to the issue of just how many of these cartridges were there. I'm going to say I don't. I know that they haven't like found the treasure trove they sort of expected, but they did find a lot. There's got to be a huge number of them, just because it. They wouldn't have taken the time to send a bunch to the dump and, like, known the dump it went to and that, here, we're going to bring boxes and boxes and boxes and boxes to a very specific point or spot without having a lot of them. Otherwise, if you just had, like, maybe a box of 100 cartridges, you would just put them in the trash and you wouldn't ever know what happened to them. Here's the the funny part, though, is that all the stories I've seen about this have not been able to actually – uh, show any any given sum of number of cartridges they found outside of I've seen a couple pictures of a couple people holding up one of these. And I've seen some pictures that show several games like in crushed boxes and stuff. Okay. Um, like well, all how in many, one like, photo. How many picture, like based on the pictures you've seen, how many? Like just give me a ball. Uh, the, the pictures have only shown a few. Yeah. Like several crumpled boxes together. You know, it's not – it's by no means thousands of them. But they, they could also have dug in the wrong spot. I mean digging for well, something 30 years old is not exactly thing. accurate. Here's the funny part is that I don't think anybody knows just how many there are. And the whole thing where it was like millions of cartridges, that could have been the uh, urban part of the legend. I'm with so you. To speak. Yeah. I'm guessing it was probably tens of thousands. Just because, like I said, they they wouldn't have bothered or even known what happened to them if it was anything less than that. Because it would have just been like a few boxes. It had to be like a major undertaking to get these thrown out. Possible. I want to see the proof. Yeah. Well, I'm with you. What was funny to me is that the guy who made the game was there. And I like... I know you said he admits it was a like a rush job, and for that reason, it kind of makes sense. But when I first heard he was there, I was like, "This is a this is a point of embarrassment, man! <laughs> like you made the game that was so bad, they threw it away, and you're like showing up as a special guest." Hey, you know what? Look, not everybody uh, can be, um, you know, Michael Phelps and can get and be a celebrity that way. That's this is all you got to hang your coat on. Yeah, I made the game that destroyed the game industry for two years. Hey, if I had it, I would take that too. Really? Oh yes. It's, it's Put that on your resume. 
Well, of course. I mean, it's, it's pretty legendary. <laughs> E.T. 2600 game. What's, what's crazy, though, is that back in the day, games really were made by one dude. So it's just he's the guy. He's the artist that made yeah. that piece of junk. Yeah, that's what they did at Atari, actually. They gave you a game to make, and you were the only person making that game. And they were like, okay, you're going to make Pac-Man, and you have one year go and that was yeah the one person did every single thing every single aspect of development for that game and it's funny actually mentioning pac-man because pac-man was another example of the programmer for that title having a uh, unfortunate reputation of doing a really sloppy job really i knew it's i knew it was a piece of crap game compared to the real thing but i didn't know that it was uh from a, a developer who was known for doing bad things. Well, no, no, no. I don't want to put it that way. <laughs> That's not what I was trying to say. It was... It was known... It was rather well known that the implementation of Pac-Man on the 2600 was a pretty sloppy implementation. Oh, so not the programmer himself, just that, yeah, it was a piece of junk. Well, he well he did it, so it was his... I mean, it was his fault, but... Um, My understanding was that actually Pac-Man on the Atari 2600 was like – it was amazing he could even pull it off the way that he did because there were so many moving sprites simultaneously and all that. that, Yeah, that might have been part of it. But um, yeah, I mean I'm just going off of memory what I remember people saying about the history of that game. Dude, old systems were crazy and I know I'm not not, like telling you this for the first time but like – it used to be that if you wanted multiple sprites moving at the same time, you just couldn't do it. Like that's why some old machines, um, there's flicker, because that's what right. you're really seeing yeah. is one sprite on screen while the other one's invisible, and then the other one on screen while the first one's invisible. That way, you get two on the screen at the same time. Yeah, kind that was of. actually that's exactly what he ended up doing for Pac-Man, and that's why everything is flickering so much. Yeah, which is funny though, because in the world of Pac-Man, they're ghosts, and it makes sense that they would flicker. Yeah, it's, they're it's a nice, it's a totally nice mapping. Um, yeah. You don't really see that kind of creativity too often, and I think that it's because, you know, there's – well, one reason is because, anyway, there's – these days what we tend to do when we make games is we have like a a vision or a plan or a design, right? And we try to like get the get the implementation to match this kind of like platonic vision for the product, whereas like you can kind of think about game development in another way, which is like – Instead of planning out ahead, right, you just, you just design as you go, playing to the strengths of what you can do with the technology or what you can't do. And back then, they kind of had to do it that way. They pretty much didn't have a choice. Yeah, these days you basically just say, well, which models can we, can we drop down in size or, you know, what – can can we make the world you're in a little bit smaller to make everything fit? You don't have to have really creative solutions anymore. Yeah. Well, the funny thing is, and a lot of people don't realize this. Uh, at least a lot of players who don't uh, who don't have experience in development don't realize this. But a lot of a lot of games that you play as implemented as it's ex- as as executed are oftentimes very far off from what they were trying to do. Right. And so what happens is when you can't do exactly what you were trying to do. You just have to do some idiosyncratic changes to uh, come up with something that you think is as like is like reasonably close or a good compromise or whatever. And we have to make these compromises all the time. But I, I, I don't want to put like um, I think that that old way of doing stuff had a lot of value, and even today still has a lot of value. And I don't feel like it gives gets enough credit. I think that's a great way of doing something creative. Yeah. Are there a lot of examples or any examples like that in, in um, well, today's I th- environment? I, think, I pick a Fez because it was um, like basically two guys. Maybe. I think that there's a lot of indie developers who probably develop that way. It's The thing is, unless you talk to the guy, I think it's kind of hard to know for sure. Right? It just depends on you know the the work patterns – of the developer and how he chooses to to work. Um, remember, remember this guy named Jeff Minter. Yeah, you know he did that. He did. He was Llamasoft. He did. Um, yeah, the Camel Space Guy, Giraffe, all this other stuff. I kind of get the feeling like that was the kind of developer he was. You know. Oh yeah. 
And I'm, and, I'm, and I'm talking about, like, you're playing to the strengths of the hardware you're working with on the lowest level possible. Yeah. And you tend I, to I get really awesome that guy, things that way. that way, you know, that you wouldn't have come up with beforehand. So that's one reason why I think it's a really great approach. Yeah. All right. Well, we got about one minute left. We got a, yeah, let's do some little things. We got a couple of little things left over. Did you know that the uh, according to some analyst who uh, whose name I don't remember is not important, the PC games market now has actually surpassed consoles in terms of revenues, which sounds impressive, but then I think actually maybe not so impressive if you really think about it. That's weird because today I just read a headline that talks about how most people are still using consoles to play video games. PCs. Well, they may be, but they're not buying the games on the consoles. Which is weird because PC is where it's easier to pirate. I think I think what's happening, I think all of this is because A, right, uh, not a lot of console games out lately. The new systems are out. Nobody's really buying them. So nobody's buying stuff for the old systems. Nobody's buying stuff for the new systems, give or take. And then there's Steam. Yeah, I was going to say it's right? all just Steam. Is, Any other excuse yeah, you which have is, is nothing compared to the existence of Steam. Where, where something's happening now that never really happened before, not on this scale anyway, which is that, and especially because of Steam, right, people are engaging in buying tons of games that they don't play. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And I know, I mean, I know you guys still did that back in the old days, but somehow today it's like 10 times more frequent. Hey, man, it's easier to get me to move 60 bucks from my wallet if you're giving me 10 games at once, even if I never play them. Than if you give me one game. Honestly, I don't understand the phenomenon. Yeah, it's but, weird. Um, I like to spend money on things. Actually, they they made a system that's easy to use, and so people use it. It's kind of like iTunes did to music, and it's it's successful. Yeah, but well, I didn't read what you said. I I read that most games are still played. I mean, money wise, who knows? But still, it's mostly consoles. I should go find that article and talk about it next week. But for now, we're at the end of the show. So everyone, go to our Facebook page slash Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Email us, write us, smoke signals, whatever it takes. We'll be back next week. Good night, guys. You've been listening to Chatterbox Video Game Radio. Tune in next week for more tips and info and the latest and greatest in video gaming. And remember, all your base are belong to us.